we've limited him so much and, and, and church has taught us that there's this great divide, this great struggle that he's way off there doing his thing and we're groveling at his feet trying to get to him. Wrong. We're not, we're there. We're one with him. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday Sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your anointing and your presence in the house. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence and just speaking to us and caring for us. We just ask that you would increase your anointing in the room and we just ask that you would open up our hearts and you would speak to us loud and clear today. Lord, we want to be a people... God, that's uh, coming into order with what you're doing in this season, this hour, God, in every year of our lives. And Lord, we just ask that you would use today's really simple message to help us in that process. Father, we bless you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, well, listen, if you're taking notes, uh, today is part six of our seven-part series that we've entitled The Covenant. And uh, listen, as we've been discussing over the past five weeks, when, when we begin to delve into this subject of the covenant, we discover that each covenant, if it's between two men or if it's between God and man, uh, each one is typically marked by seven components. Now, if these seven components, if you get lost in them in a minute, I would just encourage you to go listen to the podcast, especially if you're visiting today. But uh, we know these seven components make up what is known as the covenant-making process, and they're the following. And we see uh, that this is a process. In other words, these are key to every covenant. The first First one is this, that there has to be a covenant representative. Second, there has to be a covenant oath. Third, there has to be a covenant promise. Fourth, there has to be a covenant sacrifice. The fifth one is there has to be a covenant seal, a covenant meal, and lastly, a covenant memorial. Now, it's from that pattern that we're seeing there that theologians have come to define uh, this incredible, powerful word, a covenant, as this. We'll throw it up here. That, that a covenant is an agreement between God and his people, that's you and I, in which he has made binding promises. Do you realize that the word is full of binding promises? If you know it's true, say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So listen, binding promises based off of his unconditional love for us. Now, we know every covenant is also sealed by blood and a sacred oath. Now, um, as most of you guys already know, over the past you know, five weeks, we have talked about the covenant representative, we've talked about the covenant oath, we've talked about the covenant promise and the covenant sacrifice. Today, we're going to turn our attention to the next one on that list, which is the covenant seal. Can somebody say covenant seal? All right, so listen, just for foundation's sake, uh, you know, once again, we know that not only biblically, but also historically, that at the making of a covenant, when two representatives, now two representatives were what? Two people who, uh, two men typically that represented a family, maybe they represented a tribe, maybe they represented a nation, but two men would come together and they would always call upon God by sacred oath. It's no different than when you stand in the courtroom, in essence, raise your right hand and you make an oath, right? So So they would make a sacred oath and they would ask God to be a witness to the covenant and the binding promises they were making to one another. But after they declared their oath and their promises to each other, they would always offer what? An animal sacrifice or a covenant or a blood sacrifice to the Lord. And in many cases, why I'm saying all this, in many cases, they would also shed their own blood. We know by making an incision on either their right hand or their right wrist, right? And they would raise it to the Lord. Now, this is key. 
after that incision would heal, it would always leave a very important scar. Can somebody say scar? You see, that scar from the wound, you know, on each other's, on each covenant representative's arm or hand, it ultimately became known as the covenant seal or the covenant proof that would identify those two men as covenant partners for the rest of their lives. That's why, you remember in the first week when we talked about, uh, you know, Stanley, you know, Henry Stanley, when he was in Africa, when he would go through to another tribe, he would just show him his arm and he would show him all the scars or the covenant seals as proof that he had made covenants with other tribes in the land. So anyways, but here's the greater point I want us to grab a hold today. Those scars or those covenant seals served as a physical representation or a physical reminder that the covenant that they have come into above all else meant that there was a union and a friendship, that a union and a friendship had taken place. That's huge. So listen, with all that in mind, what I want to do is I want to take uh, the next few minutes and I want to talk to you about um, different um, you know, concepts or what basically what a union consists of in the covenant. And then I want us to turn our attention and we'll take a quick look at what it means to be a covenant friend. So first of all, we'll say this, that, that traditionally, once again, when two representatives would come together and covenant, as odd as this may sound, uh, they would actually take on each other's name to indicate that they were now in union or they were united and they would function together as one. Now, that meant this, that if, that if one went to battle, guess what? Both of them went to battle. That if one needed money or if one needed food or if one got sick, uh, it was simply this. There was no need to fear. Why? Because they had access to their covenant partners, right? Pantry. They had, they had access to their covenant partner's refrigerator. They had access to the covenant partner's bank account. They had access to the covenant partner's uh, medicine cabinet. I know you're going, okay, they didn't have all that. I'm just trying to make it relatable to us, okay? So y'all work with me. Quit giving me those weird looks, all right? So here's the deal. Why, why was that the case? Because through the covenant oath and promises, they gave each other, once again, free access. Somebody say free access. Free access to all of their resources. Remember what we said, what is mine is yours and what's yours is mine. That's why once again that the marriage covenant is such a picture of the covenant that that's you know in the natural in these days what we have with God. Once again when I married my wife Jennifer, I didn't uh, you know come to the marriage and say, "Hey, here's a list of the things that will remain mine and there's the list that will remain yours." No, when we got married, everything that I had and everything she had now became ours. Right? Yeah, like when, like, listen, when you go home today and you're married, you know, you don't open up your refrigerator and half of it is yours and half of it's yours. Maybe so if that's the case, then, then repent, okay? So uh, <laughs> repent of your ways. <clears throat> but, it, but it's ours, okay? Now, when we apply that thought process into the new covenant under Jesus, we discover that we as Christians uh, don't merely or solely or only take on the name of Jesus, but actually by the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit actually joins us to Jesus, therefore making us one with him. Please don't miss this today, okay? Theologically, this means this. It means that when Jesus, once again, as our representative, accomplished a new covenant with the Father by his sacrificial death and resurrection, he also, keyword, acquired all the covenant blessings for us. I know I've been saying that for a few weeks, but I'm hoping it gets through. Amen? So think about this for a moment. Did, did, Jesus, did Jesus come and acquire all the covenant blessings for himself? 
No, he didn't need them. Think about it for a minute. We're talking about Jesus here. He is uh, one with the Father, one with the Holy Spirit. All the resources and blessing of heaven are already his. Yes? So what does that mean? It means as God incarnate, God in the flesh, guess what? He was acquiring these blessings for each one of us. Why? Because we, we needed them. Yes? So watch this. Therefore, the binding promises of the new covenant we find in the New Testament assure us that we have been given free access to every blessing, every resource that was given to Jesus because once again, we are in or we are joined to him. That's why the Bible says this, that he has given you every spiritual blessing, right? That's why, once again, Romans uh, 8.32, if God did not spare his own son, how much more will he also freely give us all things? Now, now let me really quick give you a few scriptures uh, just for scriptural proof to show you that we are one. Because most of us are sitting in this room and our understanding is very earthly, right? We, we all battle that because we all live in the flesh. But, but to understand that spiritually, guess what? That, that he is one with us just as much as we are one with him. That's why the Bible actually tells us in Ephesians 2 uh, that we are seated in heavenly places. How can we be seated in heavenly places? Because we are one with him, right? Am I making sense to you guys? So, so listen, how does he move here on the earth? He moves through us. Why? Because he's in us. Amen. So let me give you a few, few verses today. Uh, and while I read, uh, you smile. Amen. Here we go. So listen, scripture, we know we're one because the Bible tells this. Look at John 14, 23. This is Jesus talking. He said, all who love me will do what I say. We'll let that linger. (laughs) He said, my father will love them and we will come and make our home that we will dwell, that we will live with each one of them. Now, the the more accurate translation would not read our home with each one of them. It would actually read our home in each one of them. The Apostle Paul told us this. I know this is a weird verse to kind of maybe apply here, but but I want you to get the point here because it's something significant. In Ephesians 5, he tells us this. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be what? Joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh, right? But notice what he says here. This mystery is great, but I am speaking... Not to marriage, but speaking with reference of what? Christ and the church. Let me make that plain English for you. He's saying I'm using the idea of marriage to illustrate or to show you the relationship between Christ and the church. Why? Because we can understand marriage. Because it's most of us, we, we get that, right? We've been in it, right? So listen, so what he's saying is that the two, Christ and in us, by covenant, are joined. And what the word joined actually means that we are glued together and we've become one. Great place to say amen. So look, as cool as those verses are, and as much as we could go, you know, uh, Christ, the hope of glory is in us. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but the life I now live, I live in Christ, right? But, but out of all those verses, this is probably my favorite one. Romans 8, 31, 32 says this. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Aren't you thankful for that? 
says, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Let me pause there. Uh, you know, we know John chapter 1 verse 12 says, all who have received Jesus, that he has given them the right or the authority to become children of God. Pick it back up here in verse 17. It says, and if children, then heirs. Somebody say heirs. What, what is that? That, that? that speaks to inheritance, right? If you're an heir to something, like, like listen, if, if Tommy was my dad, hey, dad, if Tommy was my dad, right, and, and there came a time where, guess what, that, that Tommy, in essence, that he passed away, right, then everything that he had, me as his son, I received the inheritance. Now, now just kind of give you a little free tidbit here. The, the Bible talks about in Hebrews, it says that basically for the will of the testament or will of the covenant to take place, there has to be a death. So when Jesus died, guess what? The will said that I received the inheritance. Right? Amen. So notice what it says. It says that we are heirs and heirs of God and, keyword joint heirs, joint participants, what that actually means, with Christ. Come on, are you seeing this this morning? Listen, if we are joint heirs with Christ, that means that everything he has received, we receive it as well. Why? Because once again, together we have become one. So everybody look at me, please. I know it's different. Watch this. So to think for a second of everything that you think that Jesus has access in, access in heaven to. Think about, think about that for a minute. That's what we have access to. See, see, some of us get weirded out when somebody says, hey, man, the Lord wants me to tell you this. That's not weird. I'm seeing heavenly places. I hear what the Father's saying about someone, and it's just simply, Jesus has access to that information. So I can come and say, hey, here's what I feel like the Lord's saying to you. And then, you know, the, the, the great uh, equalizer there, does that resonate with you? <laughs> Right? But, but listen, we, we've limited him so much, and, and, and church has taught us that there's this great divide, this great struggle, that he's way over there doing his thing, and we're groveling at his feet trying to get to him. Wrong. We're, not gro- we're there. We're one with him. Amen? So, so listen, here's what this means. In the same way as we talked about earlier, this means that when we enter into a spiritual battle, how many of you guys know we're in a spiritual battle? Yeah. Guess what? That we don't have to fear that we got to go at it alone. Why? Because we are covenant partners. We are one. We are joined to with Jesus. Therefore, he, watch this, along with all of his angelic hosts, guess what? Joins us in the fight. Yeah. Amen. Listen, if you're new here, this is not Quentin talking. That's all Bible. That's all Bible. Read it. Amen. If, if, you, if you question what angels are for you, go read Hebrews chapter 1. It says that they are ministering spirits, that they are literally uh, servants to those who have been redeemed. That's us. Think about it once again. Even yesterday in the training, I loved it when the guy said that, go back to Jacob's ladder. He saw angels ascending and descending. Why were they ascending and descending? Because they had an assignment from God. Right? So, so listen, so this just tells you and I that when the enemy comes against one of our kids, when he comes against our marriage, when he, when he comes against our business, when he comes against, uh, you know, to tempt us or when he comes in whatever form to attack us, guess what? Once again, the good news is, is we don't have to face the enemy alone because we are one. We're in union with Jesus. And because of this, guess what? All of heaven's authority stands with us. Why? Because it stands with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Th- think about for a second, okay, that, that 
we know that Jesus said, when he's hanging on the cross, he said simply, I could call, I could call how many angels to come right now. But why? But he didn't. He, he didn't because there was a purpose at hand. So think about that. If he has access to call those angels for himself and he's in us, then why wouldn't he call them for us as well? So, so just think about this for a second, because listen, the, the, church, the church in itself as a whole does not operate in its greatest weapon. It's called prayer, right? But when we begin to pray, how many, how many, if we actually begin to pray and do what the Bible says, right, and we begin to ask for the losses of our inheritance, how many angels would you send in this region to, to begin to minister to people and to begin to woo them? Just a thought, right? Once again, if you don't agree with any of this, there's Angelo. A man will talk to you. He'll tell you where a pastor's wrong. He'll square you away. <coughs> so li- listen to this. Uh, so I want you to understand that we, that we come with heaven's authority and not our own. Look at Ephesians 6. It says this in verse 10. It says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His, not ours, but in His mighty power. It says, put on all God's armor. Notice it didn't say our armor. It said, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers and dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The heavenly places just means spiritual realm. It says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. See, this is why I believe the prophet of old could literally say this, that the battle belongs to the Lord, right? I believe that's why David, when he was standing there looking at Big Ugly, right, that he could say, look, you come against me with spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, right? That I believe that's why the prophet could also say, guess what? It's not by might, not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Why? Because we're not fighting alone. Amen. So, so listen, this union also means, I hope I'm helping you today. This union also means that if we ever find ourselves in need of anything, we should remind ourselves that through the covenant, new covenant oath and the new covenant promises that we too have been given free access to all of heaven's resources. Now, now listen, if you're sitting here and that's really hard for you to believe today, look at what Jesus said. If you don't believe me, believe Jesus. Matthew 6 says this. It says, for your father already knows exactly what you what? Come on, talk to me. What you what? What you need even before you ask him. But watch this. He adds something, church. He adds, pray like this. Let me pause for a moment. Notice that even though he already knows exactly what you have need of, he still, still tells you to get your access, right, to the covenant, through all the covenant promises, through all the covenant resources, by what? By praying. Are you hearing me? Please hear me today. Watch what he goes on to say. He says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May, you, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we what? Need. The, the food in that Yes, represents what we put in our mouth, but, but it also represents basically all of our daily needs. Yeah. Amen? If that wasn't good enough, look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse six, 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That's access, yeah. right? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
So let me expound on this. And once again, I may get these same looks, and it's all right. But, but listen, I don't, I don't mean to be irreverent here, but what, what Jesus is telling us and what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that guess what? That you and I have free access to heaven's pantry. We have free access to heaven's refrigerator. I know that sounds so silly, right? But, but free access to heaven's bank account. But, but I won't get on you there. But free access to the medicine cabinet. And listen, free access to all of heaven's resources. Are you all hear me today? Now, now, it's key. Watch this. Watch this, please. I have to give a, uh, you, you know, how you see a commercial and at the bottom they put those disclaimers. I, I got to give you a disclaimer here, okay? And you can smile at me while I do it. So, so listen, uh, all we have to do is first and foremost, we got to live according to his word, yes. right? And then we come before his throne and we pray uh, by faith in the name of Jesus. Okay, now let me make that really simple for you, okay? If, if you make uh, $4,000 a month and you keep spending $6,000 a month, uh, that is not living according to God's ways. And so don't fool yourself. Don't be a fool. Let me say it accurately. And, and think that by faith you got access to heaven's bank account and he's going to bail you out $2,000 a month. Not the way it works. Watch this. Also at the same time, remember we, we, talked, about, uh, we talked about, okay, we're, gonna, we're, we're getting our lives in order, right? We talked about that at the beginning of the year. Part of that of what we talked about was our health. So I can't eat, listen, I can't drink sweet tea and, and eat fried chicken. And, uh, and uh, I'm going to go real Southern on you here. I can't, I can't eat, you know, uh, you know, pig feet. And, uh, you, you know, my mind's going blank here. I, we don't eat cow tongue. I'm not a, I'm not a Mexican. We don't eat cow tongue. Um, whoo, anyway, so, so listen, in other words, you can't eat all this garbage, right? All this food, eat candy all the time and drink soda nonstop and actually think that God's going to somehow now bail me out by a miracle when I've treated my body like crap for 40 years. And now you got to come through because I got access to the medicine cabinet. No, listen, in, in, in our finances, right? In our health, in all these areas, we got to be good stewards of what God's given us. That's living according to God's ways. Am I making sense, you guys? Listen, I, I, don't, I don't mean that mean, but we just got to be smart, right? Because how many people have, have done all this stuff and then they get mad because God doesn't come through for them, but they can't get out of their own way. Right? Amen. I'm talking to myself in that too, yes? L- listen, listen, we got a bank account. I love sweet tea, Right? We, all, all those things. But, but there's a reason I said, you know, because all this stuff we've been talking about, I'm going, okay, guess what? I, I got to quit all this stuff. I got to exercise, right? I, I want to be around for my kids. I want to last long to be able to preach the gospel. Am I making sense? Yes. So apply that wherever it needs to be applied. All right, let me give you another thought here. This also means that by our union with God, he also gains access to our actual pantry our actual refrigerator, our actual bank account, our actual time, our actual talents and abilities, our actual possessions, and our actual life resources. Why do I say that? Because we need to remember that our lives are no longer our own because of the covenant sacrifice that purchased us. And so what that means is that whatever he desires to use in our lives to fulfill his plan and purpose here on this earth and, you know, in the lives of those around us, it means we and all we have are at his discretion and disposal to use as he pleases. My point is this. Y'all look at me and smile at me here. The point is, is that the covenant's got to go in both directions. 
right? We can, we can be, uh, you know, whatever, fat, dumb, and, and, and titled people and think, God, give me, 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 give me. And if that's the form of the gospel for you, then you haven't read the book and you've missed it. Right? Because it goes both ways. And it's called this, that we live in a position. God, all that I have is yours. So if the Lord says, feed that person, I feed that person. Lord says, give to that person, I give to that person. Lord says, you need to go spend time on them. Go spend time. God says, go give them a hug. Give them a hug. God says, love them. Encourage them. Go do those things. Am I making sense to you guys? Because why? My life is not my own. Right? And so there's this sense where, you know, he has access to all of this. And it's called this, having ears to hear and a faithful heart that just says, yes, God, I'll obey. Right? Watch this. Is there sacrifice in that? Yes, Yes, because many times it's not convenient. Our first thought would be, but Lord, I got to pay that bill. Man, listen, I, I've just, I've learned something. I'm, I know I'm going way off track today, but listen, I've just learned something over the years. If I take care of God's kids, he'll take care of my kids and my family. Right? Because listen, we have all kinds of people come in our home and we feed them. And I don't have that, I don't have this endless, you know, bank fund going, let's feed everybody that lives in Rockport. <laughs> you know, but, but you know, we may not eat everything we want, but we don't ever starve. Because why? Because I meant it when I said, God, my home is yours. And God, if you want ministry to happen here, let ministry happen here. I want to be a place where community happens. Am I making sense, you guys? Amen. Let me get on track. Because I do have some other stuff I want to cover. Y'all okay? All right. So very quickly concerning the name. Uh, We said a while ago that when somebody comes into covenant with each other, when two people come in covenant with each other, they would share each other's names, indicating that they were united. Uh, By this concept, we need to understand that when we call upon his name, we're not only calling upon the covenant maker, but we're also reminding the covenant maker and the covenant keeper, right, of all the covenant promises he has made with us, right? Does the Bible not say in Romans 10, 13, that all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? The word saved there, sozo, means rescued, saved, delivered, healed, set free, salvation. It means it all. It's a total package. It's a total salvation of spirit, soul, and body. Good preaching, preacher. Listen, at the same time, we need to understand this, that when the Bible says in Isaiah 49, 16, indeed, I have inscribed a picture of you on the palm of my hands, that that was not only God's way of telling, uh, you know, telling the world or proving to the world that he was in covenant with us, but it was also his way of telling us, look, I will never forget about you. I will never abandon you. I'm always seeing you, right? So I will be with you every step of the way, in every battle, in every high, in every low. I will be faithful to meet all of your needs. Am I making sense to you today? Now, notice there, another statement right down at the bottom, right? He didn't say he would do all those things the way we think he should always do those things. He just said he'd do it. All right, so let's shift gears here, and we got to land this thing. I want to encourage you with something. One statement. When we are joined with Christ in the new covenant, he does more than come alongside of us, as we've already discussed. He actually comes and makes his home inside of us. By doing so, the eternal Godhead, don't miss this, becomes, yes, our king, but he becomes our father, our brother, our lover, our teacher, our guide, and even our faithful 
friend. Amen. Now watch this. It's from that position of friendship that he begins to come along and he begins to bless us by sharing his ways, his thoughts, his creative ideas, his strategy, his vision, and his heart with us. I hope you're getting something out of this today. Let let, let me put this another way. That when we respond to the gospel, okay, whether it was uh, in a church, at an auditorium, a one-on-one conversation, it's important for us to know that we didn't meet or join ourselves to a a religious list of rules, Right. right? Rather, we met and ultimately joined ourselves to a living person named Jesus, I hope you hear me today. Listen, grab a hold of this, that our, that our friend is a living person, not a religious system that forces us, uh, you know, some list of rules, you know, whatever, do's and don'ts down our throat. And instead, as we talk with our friend Jesus, watch this, right? He begins to teach us how to love. He begins to teach us how to have compassion. Everybody, please look at me. Teaches us literally how to, uh, you know, to act, how to talk how to dress. He teaches us how to respond to difficult situations, how to share about him, how to pray, how to worship. In other words, he teaches us how to be his friend. Yes? Yes. See, unfortunately, we live in a society that uh, the word friend has been greatly cheapened, right? Cheap, if I'm saying that right. It's it's less than, right? And it typically goes like this. Hey, guys, I have 5,722 friends on Facebook. (laughs) And listen, the the point is, is that we throw around the word friend real loosely. And in many ways, it's lost its significance and its power in our lives, right? But that wasn't the case, obviously, in societies that practice covenant. Because in those societies, it was understood that there was no higher honor than to be called a person's friend. Listen to this. By the very word, they announced that they were in covenant partnership, covenant union, covenant friendship together. So, so if you could take that for a second and see that when God called Abraham his friend, uh, he wasn't throwing the word, uh, word around flippantly uh, like he you know, viewed every person that knew his name as a friend. Get that. Correlate that with Facebook. Just because you met that person on vacation 15 years ago doesn't mean they're your friend. Amen? So, so listen, 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 please. Once again, he wasn't throwing the word around flippantly like he viewed every person that knew his name as a friend. Rather, he was saying the two of them had something unique and something special, and they were in covenant relationship together. Now, let me, let's take that to heart when we hear this verse right here. Look at Psalms, there we go, Psalms 18, 24. There we go, look at this verse. It says, some friendships don't last for long, but there is one loving friend who is joined to your heart closer than any other. Who's that talking about? The psalmist was prophesying about Jesus, that he would be a friend that sits closer than a brother. Amen? Great place to say Amen. Now, look, let me say this. I realize what I'm about to say is not for everybody, but I know it's for somebody. So I want you to listen to this. To illustrate this point of of the power of friendship in our lives, I want to read something to you that I read a few days ago. It's a quick story, and and it's about this uh, Brazilian man who who left a very successful business career because he felt like he was called to preach the gospel. So we'll pick it up here. He said his denomination sent him along with his wife and his baby girl to a remote village near the Amazon. 
Amazon. It says, with great effort, they threw themselves into the work of the gospel with great zeal and excitement. He said he prayed and worked extremely hard in the attempt to fill the little church with converts. But in spite of all his efforts, guess what? Nothing happened. No one came, and the few Christians that were in the area before he arrived did not share his same enthusiasm for the work. It says he worked day after day in, this, in the stifling humidity, all the while watching his personal funds gradually drain away. Watch this. Ties from the tiny congregation were paid in vegetables. It says the weeks passed into months, and he watched in mental agony as his wife and his child live on a starvation diet. His denomination assured him that they would send money, but it rarely came. He felt disillusioned and abandoned by God and his fellow humans. One night while lying in bed, he felt discouragement take over his heart. He woke his wife and told her that he had decided that they were going to leave the little church. They were going to go back home and he would resume his business career. But he said this, but before I leave, guess what? I know I got to go process my anger towards God. So the man angrily told his wife, he brought us up here and dumped us. He doesn't care whether we live or die, and I have to tell him how I feel. So he left his wife to pack their few belongings, and he marched on out into the jungle, and he, and he basically went, by a, uh, you know, went to a little shack, and there he began to pour out his angry and confused heart to God. Uh, it says the first morning in that tiny shack, his emotions exploded. He railed and raged against God for bringing them to such a place, expecting him and his family to serve him under such impossible conditions. He, he literally says he shook his fist in the air and shouted, Did you bring us here to starve us to death? And then he wept at his own disappointment in God. It says in the early afternoon, he sensed the presence of God filling the shack and a great stillness came upon him. And he says he heard God speak clearly and distinctively to his heart. If you miss this, you're going to miss the whole story. Here's what God said. God said, above all, I desire your friendship. If serving me interrupts and disrupts our friendship, I would rather you go back to your business and continue to be my friend. Your friendship is more important to me than all of your acts of service. So after he heard those words, he says that he wept in wonder and joy for the remainder of the afternoon. But those few words, by those few words, God had turned his whole concept of Christianity on his head. Basically this idea that a God who wanted his intimate friendship more than his service was a concept that he had never considered in his wildest of dreams. He always viewed God as a master to be served, but now he realized that his whole Christian life had been an attempt to work for God rather than live out a relationship of love and friendship. Watch this. He said he remembered his denominational leaders had sent him on his way. And I've heard these same words with these words, go and do a work for God. He said he knew that statement well because that phrase had encapsulated uh, his whole Christian life. The thrust of his being as a Christian was to work for God. Even his prayer time was to check, on, uh, check a check on a to-do list of things needed in the activity and the performance of being a Christian and serving God. But now, but now he saw that the priority of his calling was not to serve God, but to revel in his love. Don't miss this. Pursue his friendship and enjoy intimacy with him. He moved from doing for God to being in God. In other words, ministry became this outflow of his inner life with God, not something to prove his relationship with God. Yes, 
So watch this. The next day he ran back and he shared with great excitement his new understanding with his wife. And together they decided not to leave the little church. Rather, they set a new priority. And their new priority was this, not to build a church, but to have intimate relationship. Just intimate friendship with the Lord. Are y'all hearing me? So watch this. What happens is when he's made that his new priority, his preaching changed, right? To reflect his new understanding of the gospel as a call to union and friendship with God, with the God of unlimited love. And you know what happened? Uh, the story goes on and says that the, that little church that he pastored began to get full and it began to flourish. Uh, why? Because he was now partnering with his friend, the covenant, once again, the covenant making and the covenant keeping and the covenant enabling God. He literally began to minister and do life out of friendship, not out of obligation. Watch this. If my motive is, is I don't want to go to hell one day, so I, then that's an obligation. Hope you hear me today. So listen, in light of our Brazilian friend's story, I want you to listen to what Jesus told his disciples, and we're almost done. Just hang in there with me. John 15, verse 13 says this. It says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. This is Jesus talking to us. Amen? And then he says in verse 14, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves. Let, let me maybe stop right there. Verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. That sounds like, oh, that's awful. Listen, I've never had a friend that I didn't compromise with and go, hey, what do you want to do today? Y'all look at me, please. Do you like it when somebody wants to be your friend, but it's got, always got to be on their terms? Right? I can hang out with you if I do what you want to do. No, that's what he's saying, man. Let's do life together, Yes. And then it says in verse 15, it says, let me say why that's so important. Because we are that friend a lot of times. Jesus, I'll hang with you if you do what I want. Come on, guys. Let's get honest today. Yes? Yes. Yes. Verse 15 says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Or servants. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. He ain't holding nothing back from us, guys. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Few things here. Notice that Jesus was not only telling them what he was about to do for them through his death on the cross, but he was also declaring to them, hey guys, you're my covenant friends. Right? And also want you to notice this, that, that Jesus, y'all look, first called them friends. Second, he appointed them to go do lasting fruits for the kingdom. Please hear this, right? It goes right in line with Matthew 4, 19. Jesus said what? He walked by, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. For, come follow me first and I will secondary make you a fisher of men. Right? So often we get the secondary ahead of the, the first, don't we? Yes, yes we do. L listen, I, you know, I realize that a lot of people, and we're almost done, that, that a lot of people, their natural response to this is, well, brother, the Bible says in the book of James that faith without works is dead. I agree. A thousand percent. But please listen to me. But if it's not out of relationship, a faithful friendship with the Lord, then there will always be, like that Brazilian minister, complications, 
frustrations and disappointments in our hearts because it's impossible to be satisfied and fulfilled by doing any work for God, right? Apart from an intimate relationship with him. Amen. Put that in the bank. That's true. Trust me. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, please. Can you just do me a favor? We're, we're not going to prolong this thing at all today. If you can, um, just open your heart up. Just close your eyes and just open your heart up to the Lord. <clears throat> just simply say this today. Say, Jesus, I want to be your friend. Will you teach me how? Will you forgive me for trying to do a work for you? To be busy? to perform out of fear that I won't go to heaven? (laughs) Lord, help me relax. Help me to be at peace. Help me to find joy in just knowing that you want to know me and do life with me and have fun with me. So once again, Jesus, I ask you to teach me how to be a covenant friend. Yeah, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person that's here. Lord, we thank you today that we are in union with you, that we are one. God, we thank you, God, that because we are one, you said you would never leave us nor forsake us. You can't get away from yourself. That was worth the price that you paid to get in the building. (laughs) Father, I thank you today, God, that you're just teaching us how to walk with you not only as individuals, but God, even in our marriages, teaching us how to just be friends with you together. So Lord, would you just join our hearts in a special and unique way? Would you help us to realize, God, how much you love us, that you would actually say we're your friends? That's incredible. So Lord, we just give your hearts and our lives once again. And Lord, we just thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. Seal the deal today in our hearts. Seal the deal today in our hearts. God, just as much as Our names are written on your hand. Lord, let your name be written on our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.